Hey then. Hi Rebecca. We have a very special guest today. 我们有一只extra的猫今天。这个猫,这个猫的猫的猫,猫的猫。<笑> Let's welcome Chen Yuehan. John Tan! Hello! It is me, the Mao with the Mao. Yeah. Hey, John, so you were just before the, we started recording, you said that your, your parents wanted to name you. Yeah, my name was supposed to be Yao Han, but back then there was this department store called Yao Han, so my mom's like, my son will not be named after a shop. So, Shopping uh, mall. Yuehan lah. To John lah. <laughs> but it's not on my IC or my. Uh, other ID, only on my birthday. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so today I we like have John. Ho, I'm very excited because I yeah. have been wanting to introduce this amazing kindred Cats. spirit yes. yeah, to our listeners. Mm-hmm. And also because it's a new year, I've been thinking we should start to bring more interesting yes. characters. Yes, two zero two one, right? Correct. We are, yeah, you you are actually our third guest. We only. have been very stingy. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> we have been very stingy. Yeah. But this year we are going to bring on more people la. Yeah. There are so many mm-hmm. inspiring um Xiao Maos. So John is one of our Xiao Maos. Yes. Hello. hello. Hey, yeah. So can you tell us how did you Actually, discover the Lito podcast? Okay. So <laughs> flashback. So I have this friend. Uh, sound effect. Sound effect. Oh, sound <laughs> <effect>. <laughs> I have this friend uh, Sumin who is the number one henna artist possibly in the world. Actually, it's Jaguar. I think she would want me to make the distinction. Mm. And I was looking for a business coach because business was going okay. But I was like, okay, what do I do next? Like, you know, it's like itchy backside syndrome. I can't just like write it out. So I went on Instagram. I was like, hello, everybody. Anybody know a good business coach to recommend? And then Sumin was like, I know this guy. He reminds me a little bit of you, which <laughs> on hindsight is very flattering because Dan is a do is fit. <laughs> so I went on Dan's site and uh, it was just like straight up green flags all the way, had a one-on-one coaching call and then I listened to the podcast. Oh, yeah. okay. Because most of my coaching clients are- uh, It's the other way been, around, yes, right? Yes, it's thing the podcast and then they decide to do one-on-one coaching. Oh, so yeah, the other way. Yeah. Oh, right. interesting. Anyway, shout out to Simin. Thank you so much for being an ambassador yeah. of the Lighto Podcast. What did we say she is on Instagram? Oh, so her username her handle follow is... her, not like she needs more followers, is S-M-X-N-E. So How do you pronounce that? I pronounce it as Smexne. Sounds very sexy. Smexne. Smexne. But that's her personal account, but yes. she has a business account, right? Which is? Hen.drawn. It's H-E-N-N dot D-R-A-W-N. Xiao Mao, please go and check out Her work is amazing. She is really the best henna tattoo artist. Yes. But Jaguar, she calls it Jaguar yes. now, right? Jaguar tattoo artist in Singapore. Mm. Very, very talented. And we're so proud to have her as one of our Xiao Mao's too. Yay. You guys are amazing. So thank you, Sumin. And yeah. because of Sumin, we got to meet John. Yes. Hey, John, you, you have you a very you? interesting life story. Yes, mm. yes. Because we found out a little bit about like the twists and turns mm. of his life that brought him here today. Mm. Do you want to share a little bit more? Yeah. Okay, where do you think I should start? Okay, just tell us I, just tell us what do you do? 
How okay. did you get here? Okay. What happened? What mm. do you want to let us know that you think is important, pivotal milestones in your life? Wow. Yeah, things like that. Okay. Anything, anything goes. Hope you guys are ready for a five-hour long podcast. <laughs> yeah, on uh, you on I uh, on. <laughs> our listeners are ready because our shows are always very yeah, they're long. Like, yay, five hours. Yay. Finally, I'll be waiting for that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, tell us, tell us. so uh, I'm a filmmaker and I mainly work on very short form projects because mm. my attention span does not allow me to work on the longer things. And I've been doing this for about three years, but before I hopped into this line of work, I was trying other things. I was an MC and voiceover guy for a while. I acted for a very short period of time. Before that, I was doing content marketing and I also... <laughs> In case you can't see, Dan nearly dropped the glass, but also... It's okay, don't worry. Don't blame everything on your lao hua. Hey, sorry, sorry, okay, right, we're all good. Okay, uh, and before that, I was a graphic designer and an illustrator. An interesting thing that John said to me just now mm. was that he said he has always been self-employed. Since he was Since a little kid. he was 13. Wow. Yes. Okay, how did that happen? Okay, so when I was 13, there was this, there was this girl in my English tuition class. And she was like, uh, she was having that manga phase where she was like, I'm going to draw these characters. Like, but I don't know how color, how, uh. And mm. I was like, hey, I know Photoshop. So mm. uh, I picked up Photoshop <laughs> for the purpose of um, getting this one girl to like me. So you didn't yeah. know Photoshop? I vaguely you... knew because like, uh, I was part of the IT club. Uh. The, most, uh, the coolest kids are all part of the <laughs> IT club. And they taught us this room of bespectacled, like obese children, oh, how right, to use right. Photoshop. Yes. And so I vaguely knew, but that experience of coloring in her work and eventually starting to do my own illustration work made me realize I like this. And mm. this was the age of deviant art mm. and like very shitty homemade uh, portfolio sites. And because I had some sort of web presence, I could be found. And because of that, I started getting emails like once or twice a month asking like, hey, can you do carry catchers? And then eventually it was like, can you do some simple logos? So 13 was when things first started. Very small, wow. but- Did anything start between you and this girl? Uh, did she know that you had a crush on her? Oh yes, yeah, she did. And then she abused you. La. She took advantage of you, is it? She, she beat me. <laughs> no, not, uh, nothing happened. We are no longer in touch for oh, mm-hmm. yeah for reasons that are out of our control. Mm. Wow. Yeah, but 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 she kind reasons? of started you on the creative entrepreneur. You have to thank journey. her, right? Yes, I do. Uh, if you're listening and you know who you are, thank you. It's mm. not Sumin, right? No, <laughs> no longer in contact. No. Still in contact with Smetsne. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wait. So yeah. you so you never had to get a nine to five job because you were always employed. I mean like self-employed and you were making money already at such I, a young age. I did have a nine to five-ish that was called national service and <laughs> that doubly, triply, quintuply confirmed I never wanted to have a nine to five. Yeah. He's a free soul. Mm. Like us. And then, and then, what else? Tell us more. I am also very scatterbrained so you need to remind me where I'm at. You're telling us about what you do, how you got here, your first job, you know, how you got started on your entrepreneurial journey. Ah, okay. So, uh, I landed a couple gigs off of people googling like Graphic Design Singapore. Yes. At that point, I think by sheer luck, it wasn't intentional SEO or anything. I was on the second or third page of Google search. So, that eventually made me realize, uh, you know what? I'm young, I'm starting now. Mm. This is a sign. I'm going to be the best damn graphic designer in the world. Mm. And so I thought I should go to design school. And mm. I basically gave up 
on everything else in secondary school. I was physically kicked out of one class for just repeatedly drawing in class and not listening to the teacher because why would I need to do anything other than draw? So I apologize to all my teachers. I know you guys have my best interest at heart. Uh, I was a dick. And from secondary school, I went on to study graphic design. So you did finish yeah. your secondary school? I did. Not right. very well, but I did. Mm. And I went and studied graphic design thinking that, okay, this is my future. I've got it made. And school was very enjoyable because, mm. you know, I was learning and getting better at something I liked. Did you do well in school? Uh, I would say... In design school, mm. I was doing pretty well. Mm. And at that point, I was also handling like some life projects. So I felt, I felt like hot shit. Mm. And, but at that point, I started realizing that you could outsource design work fairly mm. cheaply because all you need is internet connection. And it was coming to a point where computers were pretty much powerful enough to run graphic design software regardless of where you were in the world. Mm -hmm. So I started outsourcing... So work would come in and then I'll like hire like three Indonesian designers and be like, hey, can you give me like three designs each? And then I'll take the good ones, give the client the client. Like, oh, that's so good, so fast. Mm. And uh, it dawned on me eventually that- So entrepreneurial. I, yes, guy. yes, yes, yes. A system really. Uh -huh. Yeah. And it made me realize that as a middleman, it was just a matter of time until, you know, clients start finding these mm -hmm. designers who most of the time were like better and more experienced than me. And they cost so much less. So I had this massive crisis of thinking that, yo, graphic design is going to be my life. And then suddenly seeing that the future was uh, bleak. Like oh, it didn't look sustainable. Right. Uh, I still think I'm kind of right about what I thought back then. And I had a little bit of a meltdown on Facebook. I was like, mm. graphic design, we look so hot, but the only people that think it's good is us. <laughs> <laughs> and someone was nice enough to be like... Uh, hey, you do, you do this pretty well. Do you want to come do some content for this uh, startup I'm working at? Mm. And that's how I ended up moving into content marketing, which mm. I thought, or which I also thought would be the rest of my life, but turns out mm. I'm often wrong. Mm. Do you have a habit or a tendency mm. to really plunge headfirst into the things that you do Yo, uh, and get really passionate about it? Yes, absolutely. I think the best example of this was when for a period of time, I was, I was very lost about what I wanted to do. This was like um, when I was doing some posting work and I was listening to all these podcasts from comedians who I love and mm. they were like, yeah, I started doing this, but then I just went to the clubs and like uh, started doing stand-up and that's how I'm here. So I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go do stand-up. Mm. So I spent uh, a whole month literally doing nothing but for eight or nine hours a day, either practicing or writing jokes. Uh, and... The reason I stopped was because the last time I did stand up, I was booed off stage. Oh. So, but then that happens, yeah. right? At the mm -hmm. early stages, right? Mm. Oh, but also I realized as I was getting booed off stage, it was uh -huh. very clear that you're not made for. I'm not cut up for this. Mm. Mm. But even then, you were very passionate. Because I noticed a pattern, right? Like mm. you get really passionate about something. But then you will go all in, and then you mm -hmm. will, so you'll figure out, like, oh, yeah, maybe this doesn't work. Mm. Is is this the same thing with film? Like, do you feel, mm -hmm. how should I put it? Like, after so long, right? Like, mm -hmm. you've been doing film for three years. Yeah. Sorry, we jump out a bit. Yeah, no worries. You've been doing film for three years. Do you still feel the same passion? Do you still feel like, wow, film is something I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Mm. I think I've been burnt enough times by my own enthusiasm mm -hmm. to realize thinking I'm going to do something for the rest of my life mm. is a very limiting mm. mindset to have. And I do not think I would have gotten into film if I hadn't 
gone for therapy and whatnot and worked through the idea of, you know, I, I don't have to be this extraordinary human being, mm. which was what I was told. Like, if you are a somewhat intelligent child, you're going to be surrounded by adults telling you, well, this is uh, your son, um, ma'am, your son going to be a star. I don't know what going to be. The future is going to be huge. But when you hear that, you start putting pressure on yourself and you refuse mm. to. This is something I discussed with Dan on my first coaching call. Like, I had this feeling that I had to be something great, had to be something great. Mm. And I always thought that um, anything that would bind my time to my craft, so like videography or film or even photography or design, would be something that uh, wouldn't lead to this bright, glorious future I was supposed to craft for myself. Right. So I think accepting that, you know what, if I'm going to have to lug a camera around all the time and make money by the hour, mm. but I enjoy myself, like, that's going to be fine. Like, getting to that point, I think, took all the previous failures and shattered expectations to accept. And I also realized I've deviated really far from the question. What was the question? <laughs> I think the question, uh, the intention behind Becky's question is that, mm. do you think you have found your craft? Ah, your yeah. thing? And I wanted to ask, mm. like, how is it different this time? Like, what do you feel is different this time? Mm. What's so special about film? I think the main thing is film is an inherently profitable career. Like, if, even if you are starting out, you wouldn't have much trouble making a living wage. Mm, okay. And I think it was because of that that I stuck around. Or is it because you're good? <laughs> yeah. I, I do know of a lot of videographers mm. who, you know, Might it's not struggling. sustainable mm. for mm. them. They don't have as many jobs mm. and all that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. But I do also think that film is the accumulation of all the skill sets I've built up. Yes. Yep. Yes, John. Mm. Yes. Like, right. right, definitely. Mm -hmm. mm. So it feels like, you know, it's been leading up to this. Right. Mm. All the skills that you were learning before this. Yeah. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how you got to this point. Yes. So I think for John, right, there has been a lot of exploration. Yes. And I think for you, it's like, you know, whether it's a girl you had a crush on mm -hmm. And you jump on an opportunity, okay, mm -hmm. for personal gains or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, or that, you know, you decided, oh, I'm going to try and do stand-up comedy, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think each time you try and it didn't quite land for you, mm -hmm. it didn't, it doesn't negate all that effort and that trying. Mm -hmm. You have collected the experience and the know-how and the knowledge and you always carry that with you mm -hmm. and you put it towards the next thing that you try. Yeah. And I think that when it came to filmmaking, I think for me, right, because I've been in the creative um content creation line for so long, I've been exposed to a lot of creative work. And when I see a diamond in the rough, I know that mm. this is the talent. Right. This is a talent. Right. And when I saw John's work, I know that he has everything that he needs to make this work. Mm. It's just a case of whether he has found the right groove. Right the right setting and also more importantly the belief in himself that he can do this mm -hmm. so I think that it was um, so John is also a personal coaching client and all my coaching clients are the same to me I love them dearly but there are some that I feel um, a little bit more how do I say um, you know how parents sometimes have a bit of the favouritism they have their favourite child so life coaches also have I have I'm human <laughs> right so, I'm, uh, this is me telling John, uh, letting in my secret. I, and, and, but he's not the only one. La. I have a few. 
um, clients who are very dear to my heart. Right. In a manner that I really, really want them to thrive mm-hmm. and succeed. Mm-hmm. Actually, I want all my clients to thrive and succeed. Yes. But then there are some that are ex- exceptionally special to me and precious to me. And yeah. I know, I know, I can see it already. I'm like that parent. I can see that you can be successful. You just need to believe in yourself. For me, it's a done deal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having goosebumps now. For me, it's a done deal when I see what he's capable of. You know, I also, time. Yeah, I just sleuth his work. Mm. And I know sometimes certain things might be slightly off. Mm. It's fine, but I can see the possibilities. He has it. He just needs to align it, accept it, own it, and mm. believe in his own capability. Mm. Yeah, so John is one of those very endearing clients I have. Aww. Yeah, even though I've only done two private mm. coaching calls, that's it. But, you know, so maybe you I, can tell us, yeah. right? When you did the coaching call with me last mm. year, what were you struggling with? Okay. And then what happened there after the coaching call? Okay. Yeah. Mm. So I'm going to set this up for you. <laughs> for this call, I went to this call with a problem, then didn't solve my problem. <laughs> what a terrible coach. <laughs> Nothing changed in reality. Mm. Listen but on. it solves the problems I had inside. Wow. Which are the ones that matter. Hey, remind so, me, I forgot already. Okay. I don't know what happened there. I thought it was one of your favorites. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can yeah, sure. Okay, so the problem I had was at, this, at that point of my very young career, mm. I was getting a steady stream of work mm. and I had some retainer clients who were pretty much ensuring that uh, as long as they don't vanish, I would be making steady bank. And the clients are all coming in through word of mouth. Which, as you hear me say this, you might think it was a good thing. But back then, I was like, what? I cannot do anything. I just have to wait for them to come one by one. And I thought I had to do something. I had to create some sort of like marketing funnels to mm. like pull people in. And I went on a call with Dan. And <laughs> Dan basically told me, word of mouth is something that is so valuable. Brands who want to pay for it. Mm. can't even buy it. And you have this thing, like what you think is a flaw in your business <laughs> is actually your greatest strength. <laughs> and I am usually very talkative on the call. I was just like, whoa, oh, yo, shit, what the fuck? Like, can I, can I swear on this one? Of course, oh. we swear all the time, <laughs> hello? And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so the, yeah, like that call was mind-blowing. And I distinctively remember at the end of the call, we hung up on Skype. And I just sat there and just stared into space. And I was like, shit. Oh my God. Yeah. It's yeah. so interesting. Because it's he, so interesting. Yeah, that's why I tell you, mindset, right? It's very it's interesting. A mindset. Right? Because mm. what he had really wasn't a problem. It right? is the holy grail, actually, of marketing. Yeah. Word of mouth, like. Yeah. You don't even have to pay a Facebook ad no, or create any funnel. Like. Well, sorry, can you explain again? <laughs> what did you find unsatisfactory about Sounds having clients now, right? come to you from mm-hmm. word of mouth? So I think this might be because a lot of the work I do is helping clients attract more customers by actively doing things. Mm -hmm. So knowing that I wasn't able to actively do anything for myself was just infuriating. Like I'm supposed to be so good at this. People are paying me, but I can't do anything like, ah. For himself. Yeah. For yourself. For myself. For your own brand. That's right. Uh, quick note, like if you need something, I can totally do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think John came in on the call thinking that there is something that he should be doing mm-hmm. that uh-huh. he's not, that's missing. Like a marketing campaign right. or a system to funnel people into his ecosystem. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Without actually thinking that 
you don't even need that when you have word of mouth correct, and you don't correct. even have to pay for it and people are doing it for you. Yeah. And you are yeah. getting good money coming in. That is the system. Even without... Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. So there are people who have marketing campaigns yeah. and yet don't achieve oh, that right. same level of success. Correct. Mm-hmm. So he came in thinking that something is lacking. I see. All I did was tell him, nothing is lacking. You have everything that you need. Everything is perfect. What if everything is perfect? So I it's really see. just a mindset shift. So he's right in saying that I didn't solve his problem. Like he came in with the yeah, problem, yeah, yeah, but I decided that that is not a problem at all. I exactly. See. And the benefits are insane. Like the peace of mind you feel knowing that not only do you not have to do something <laughs> to build your system, you get someone who has done this rodeo like a dozen times and succeeded tell you your system works. You just mm. need to keep doing what you do. Mm. Like that sense of calm I felt was... It's like uh, one of the top highs of my life, I would say. Oh my God. And you know why I can teach him this? And I know straight away when he came to me and I know that it's not a problem. It's because of the six and seven different businesses that I have built. I've never really spent money on advertising. Mm. I've always just gone for organic growth. Organic word of mouth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think that is the holy grail. Mm. If I can get people to believe and love my service and my product so much that they would tell other people about mm-hmm. it. That is the system. So I just go straight to the Holy Grail. I work to get to the Holy Grail. So I focus on giving massive value. I told John to really just double down. I like, this is the system, trust it. Mm. How can you get more people yeah. to do more of that kind of word of mouth marketing for you? Yeah, and mm. I think that's a beautiful thing, right? Like, mm. you know, there are some artists out there or photographers or filmmakers, right? Who don't even have social media. Mm who don't promote themselves at mm. all, but who are able to have this thriving careers. Mm. I think that is the beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah, and word of mouth is so strong. Why? Because it comes from a, trust a trusted factor. source. Someone who has been through, bought your offering, mm. enjoyed it, liked it, right? Really got value out of it. And then think that that's a great value. Yes. Believe in you so much that they will tell someone. And people will be like, even if it's, let's say you got a physical ailment, you need to see a doctor or a specialist or a barber or a hairstylist, you ask your friend, hey, where do you cut your hair? Correct, like correct. So you don't have to go through all the marketing or all the research or all the Googling. You trust your friend. Yeah, and who's the one who said, oh, every person, every one client of yours who's happy with you will spread your word, spread your name to 10 other Correct. clients. Correct. And then each of them will spread to 10 other. Correct. It's like a multiplier effect. Correct. So that is the system. But that system assumes a few things that you is required. La. There are some requirements, which is you, you need to really be very good at what you do. Mm. You must give massive, massive value. Correct. And you must be so good that people actually will vouch for your work. And the thing is, for me, it's a no-brainer because I've seen John's work. Mm. And I think that, I feel <laughs> that it is very vouchable. I've, I have seen your work, right? Mm-hmm. But I have also seen his proposals. As in, because remember, you were supposed to shoot a video for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you sent Dan like mm. a proposal. I think you, you wrote, you created a deck or something. Mm. Do you remember? I vaguely do. And we were like super impressed. Yes. Aww. This guy has to do things. Yes, mm. I mean like even just out of the gate, right? He already impresses you. Yes. Before you even see the work. Yes. He right? is, this is called giving value ahead of time. This giving is called results. advertising time for John. Yes, this is called giving <laughs> results ahead of time. Yeah, it's and very it is very crazy. powerful. Without me paying you a single cent yet, you have already shown me how you are the best person for the job. Yeah. And he is a thinking creator, which is he takes your brief and he thinks through your limitations 
he understudies what you do and he thinks what is the best thing that I can do for you mm. with this budget. Correct. And he fills in all the gaps because that is his expertise. Mm. Right? I just tell you this is my objective. I want to create something like this. I'm kind of dreamy about it. But John, please go and do the heavy lifting. Mm. Then he comes back with this proposal. Concise, clear, to the point, mm-hmm. exciting, fun, and yep. it fits the budget. I think thinking is the right word to describe yes. him, I yes. guess. Because a lot of times it feels like, you know, when you get this kind of text, it's very autopilot. Correct. It's done by people who have done it like hundreds of times And before. cookie cutter, which is they sell the same thing they've sold to 10 other people. Correct. Mm. Yeah. So for him, I like that. And this is the way I run my business also. Because when I give a brief, or the people I work with, and mm. I know that they are great vendors for me, is when they take a brief and they breathe life into it. So filling the gaps. Where do you learn all that from? Like, or have you always mm. just worked like that? I think I've fucked up enough times to know what mm. to do through the fuck ups. Because they're like, I definitely did not behave this way, like at these, in, with the first few crafts I tried, right? So let's say with graphic design, like the idea of just phoning out and outsourcing the concept to like three lower price designers, like that doesn't sound like a guy who's describing who's doing what you guys are describing. Mm. And by the way, this is uh, like all this praise is getting to me. I'm blushing. <laughs> Very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think it's from realizing what worked with yeah. all the prior things I've tried. Mm. Like those things move between crafts because I think that's a service skill. Mm. And also having a background in content marketing makes me a much better filmmaker because... I don't just make something that looks good. Mm. I know how to take that to fit what you need done. And I I think jumping between careers might have been the best accident of my professional life so far. Are you more of an entrepreneur or are you yeah. more of an artist? Because wow. mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like you're quite systematic mm-hmm. in the way you think and very entrepreneurial. But I feel like, I feel the artist part of you also when I look at your work. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I ask this question because a lot of artists, right, they approach their work like artists. Mm. You know, like, they are not so good at managing their career. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you are quite interested in thinking about how do I make this freelancing thing work better? Mm-hmm. How do I make my mm-hmm. business work better? Mm-hmm. And I always feel like to be a successful uh, freelancer, a successful freelance creative, you need both of these brains. Mm. Both Okay, both of the skills, lah. Mm. Yeah. So, what do you think you are? More of an entrepreneur or wow. artist? Um, I think it's very hard to draw. A, well, this is such a non-answer, but I think it's very hard to draw a line between the two. But I would say I would much rather give up working with film and mm. make my money and sustain my lifestyle with any other skill or medium than to do the opposite, right? Just to do film at you know like a higher level but more structured. Yeah, yeah. So I would say it's a more self-serving thing. I would say maybe entrepreneur first. Mm. You said your parents were entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. What do they yes. do? Uh? Okay, so my dad does something called freight forwarding. Mm. Basically, uh, he sends orders to boats. I don't completely understand. Uh, <laughs> my mom ran a flower shop with her sister. Oh. And the two of them came out of their experiences with very different perspectives on whether their son should go down the path of entrepreneurship. Uh-huh. Like my mom, and I think most parents, like, you know, they want the option that's safe for you, not so much the option that like gives you life. But my mom still 
sometimes suggest like, hey, you want to go get a degree or uh, do you want to go join a big company where there's health insurance? <laughs> and mm. my dad has been, I think he understands what the underlying drive is. And yeah. uh, I, I do credit a lot of what I know and do to him. Like, he's have, y'all had, dude. have y'all had any like serious talks in the family? Because all whole family are entrepreneurs, ma. Mm. I'm sure the fact that your mom wants you to go and get a degree or whatever, might think she might think that it's the safer thing for you. Mm-hmm. And it's very strange because she's an entrepreneur herself, right? Mm. There must be very um, good reasons why she stayed an entrepreneur, mm. right? Um, so I think... But you know, you, uh, mm. this kind of entrepreneur thing, right? It's almost like in the blood one. Mm. As in like, you can ask John, oh, yeah, you don't be an entrepreneur. But if it's in his blood, like he really wants to he do it. He can't help himself. He can't help himself. Yeah. He will never be happy otherwise. Yeah. I don't know if it's, that, if it's true for I, you lah. I think it's also a lot to do with privilege. Like if you if you have to bring in a steady paycheck, if there are people relying on you, you are most likely not going mm-hmm. to be an entrepreneur. It's just so much harder. I understand a lot a yep, lot yep. of this is purely privilege. Mm-mm-mm. But I do think it's also just easier for me to do that, maybe not like at a genetic level, but I understand that to a lot of people the idea of doing something on your own or being an entrepreneur is scary because a lot of it feels like the unknown. Mm. In my case, it's the opposite. Like, yeah. I don't know what it's like to go have a nine-to-five job. I was on the first day of my internship when I was in poly. Like, I remember thinking like, what people like wait for time to pass. Mm. Also, a dog peed on me on my first day, but it's a separate story. Um, <laughs> so... I, and I also remember, like, when I was in primary school during the financial crisis, I had friends whose parents were, who lost their jobs. And I remember these kids coming to school and telling us that, you know, things weren't going great at home. Mm. So I've just been bombarded left and right with all these signals and signs that tell me to, like, mm. not go find a quote-unquote proper job. So mm. I don't think it's like a bravery thing or a genetics thing. It's uh, just circumstantially, that's how I ended up. Mm. You know, a lot of people who start out and do their own business first will have to take a while to make their first, uh, get their first job and make their mm-hmm. first paycheck. For you, was it difficult or from the get-go, you had jobs? Oh, I think again, this is like pure luck, right? Mm. Like to rank on Google with like, just like no prior planning or even knowing what the hell SEO is, that is luck. And from that point on, I do think I have been very lucky that when I want to try something else, I've been able to maintain some of the work I do with the previous craft Mm. so I don't go broke. Mm. So that gives me the freedom to explore different things. I guess it's similar to trying something out before quitting your job. Mm. But at the oh okay, so you don't yeah. start from zero like every single time you change. Yep, I don't think I've ever hit zero. Right. And the other thing that gives me the I don't know, like the balls to like hop from thing to thing, is knowing that the first part of the thing is the easiest part, right? Like if you're trying to figure out how to make a thousand dollars a month mm. from doing something, it's typically not very hard. Because let's say if I was doing video and I was charging like. I don't like $100 for a video. That's only 10 videos. Mm -hmm. So it's not hard. And if you're cheap, people will come. So what is hard? What is hard? Mm. Um, This question is hard. Ooh, why is that (laughs) that, answer? He didn't prepare for this question. It's not in his notes. (laughs) It's like like drawing a blank right now. So what is hard? Okay. 
Uh, I think what is hard for me right now, because I wouldn't say I've made it very far in any of the crafts I've tried, right? Like, it feels like getting started on something mm. and getting above average at it, which I think is where you need to be to start charging money for it, yeah. it's not very hard. If mm. you spend a week or two doing a couple of tutorials, you're good. You yeah. can probably start charging money. And then I think from there, it gets exponentially <laughs> I like that. harder. Yeah, okay. So at the point I'm at now, um, it does feel like for me to get maybe 5% better <laughs> is going to take years. Oh Whereas the first 55% of things took maybe a month or two. I really feel mm. that. Eh? I feel that as a photographer also. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like the front part where you're just mm -hmm. starting out, like when you don't know anything, mm -hmm. is like you improve very quickly. Mm. And then you start to get very quickly to the point where you're like, okay, I feel like I'm quite good. Is this a plateau or a stagnation yeah, of and mastery? Then after that, you start to reach this point where it's so hard to improve. Mm -hmm. Skill sets or what? Your skills no? as a photographer mm -hmm. or as uh, a filmmaker, as, as a creative. Mm -hmm. Like There will be this point at which you feel like, hey, how come I'm repeating the things I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Or I cannot break through of, break past the way I do things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And then how do I become better? Mm -hmm. So I feel that very So do you know what all those problems well. are? What? <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca also don't Suddenly. have notes. Those are all mindset issues. Oh. Any block, right, that you experience in a business is not really a business issue. It is a mindset issue. It's yeah, yeah, always yeah, a thinking sure. issue. So, for example, thinking that, okay, I, it's easy to lock down the first 55% of mastery and skill set mastery is the easy. Mm -hmm. Now that I want to level up on the final stretch, 5% oh. is going to be tough. That's actually an optional thinking. I see. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm. And if you think that it's difficult I to see. break through, it will be difficult for you to break through. Mm. But if you think it's easy for you to break through, it will be easy for you to break through. Wow. <laughs> so another case Let of me think. we bring a problem and Dan says it's not actually a problem <laughs> no yeah that's not the real wow. problem the real problem is the mindset it's always the mindset right so anyway um, John thank you for thank you so much for sharing so much about your journey so hey. can you tell us right mm. what were your what was your 2020 like oh um, it was uh, very indoors <laughs> <laughs> like all of us <laughs> uh, 2020 was very conflicting because uh, I was at a table read last night for a theater piece that I'm producing video content for. Mm -hmm. And someone called me a war profiteer because the whole theater industry is suffering, all the live, live events suffering. But because we make digital content, yeah. we are like, you know, profiteering. And I felt <laughs> war profiteer was uh, somewhat hurtful, but accurate. Mm -hmm. So 2020, I think, turned out really well for me and a lot of people who were at a similar scale because uh, a lot of my, my clientele changed completely mm. because the brands who are used to working with big production houses, a lot of them no longer have that amount of frivolous budget to mm. play with. Mm. And, mm -hmm. you know, hard times like marketing budget tends to go first. Yeah. So they start trickling down. And uh, I think that was when I really felt like the word of mouth thing like happening for me. Mm. I would ask like, hey, uh, where did you get my contact from mm. and I just it was just every single time it was this moment of I did not expect this person to refer me I didn't think I did that amazing a job but mm. you appreciated it mm. and it made this big change for me in terms of uh, how I viewed myself as a creative because yeah. I think the imposter syndrome is very very strong especially because I was self-taught yeah and mm. I am not following some sort of metric where you know if I do well enough I get promoted to like a camera operator or something, right? 
So knowing that people trusted me enough to mm. recommend me was the one thing I needed to swing my own belief in myself. And it's been much more anxiety-free existence mm. once I realized that. That was a thank you 2020 moment. <laughs> uh, other than that, yeah, being separated from my girlfriend for such a long time was tough. Mm. Oh, yeah, she's great. Uh, hi, Joelle. And, um, <laughs> hi, Joelle. So Hello. Sweet. Yeah, she's the best. <laughs> But it also made me realize that the circle of friends I kept uh -huh. was something I wasn't really appreciating enough before. Mm. Because, you know, when you can meet your friends whenever, mm. you mm. don't really value them much until yes. you realize. You don't know what you've got till it's gone. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Was 2020 a breakthrough year for you? Yes. I mean... To be fair, the year was circumstantially better for what I do than a lot of people. Mm. So it led to better gigs coming in. Better gigs means better money. So you made more yeah. money last year. Kaching, kaching. <laughs> okay, John, can I ask you a question? Sure. Why do you think that people come to you? Why? Why do you think people refer you to other people? Why is your word of mouth so good? Why? Well, and handsome. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, uh, other than that... <laughs> Um, I guess it's all the reasons you <laughs> mentioned that word of mouth works. Like what? Like why? Like people trust that I, they make this recommendation and mm -hmm. I am not going to like sully their name. They, mm. They're not like, well, why you recommend this John? He burned my shop down mm. or something like that, you know? Mm. Yeah. I I'm think word of, word of mouth is the highest praise because yeah. you would never recommend someone. I'm just waiting for John to say the most important thing that he hasn't mentioned. What thing? <laughs> That, that makes he him him. delivers more than he promises? I think those are very, very important, right? But I think that the other thing that you forgot that you came to me, that's now it's all coming back to me now. Mm. I think one of the things that he came to me was that I think he w wasn't in full acceptance of his own quirkiness. Oh. Mm. And, he w and his sense of humour. And he kept thinking that this is something if I create, no corporation will want so this kind of stuff. So interesting, right? Yeah. Do you oh, remember I, remember I told you to just double down? What was yeah. the resistance oh, to your... Oh, so this one that. was because uh, during the lockdown, I was like fucking dying to make something. So I made these two videos that went mildly viral. Mm. One of them was a Durex commercial, which uh, I'll just summarize it. Basically, this guy goes to buy Mipok and uh, he's, his name is Chad, Chad Chua. And he's like this hot dude with like muscles and an OCS singlet. And he tapas his food in a Durex condom, slings it over his shoulder and walks away. Mm. So it's very absurdist humor. And another one was a response to the artists are non-essential thing where I mm. uh, I played a boomer who caught and complained to the newspaper about artists. And uh, <laughs> I thought both of those were so uh, like out of left field and somewhat offensive uh -huh. that nobody was going to fucking pay for me to make more of that. And then who this was not during a coaching call, like then was really, really nice and just told me it doesn't matter as long as I keep doing me. I can have like multiple facets of mm. my work and all of those facets make me mm. not just one, that one or two things that I think people would pay for. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And I always feel that if you have any quirks, because I'm a quirky person also, right? I'm very rebellious in that. I don't, um, I have my quirks, lah, okay? So I'm quite funny. and But I believe that you should never dull your own shine to fit other people's appetites, mm. right? Because you're assuming that people don't have a big enough appetite for you and mm. that could be error in thinking, right? right? But there's no other 
way. The, the best way is to just show up and do whatever you want, do the directs, whatever, you know. Mm. And then those people who whom you repel and don't like you, mm-hmm. you will just repel. You don't want them in your ecosystem anyway. Mm. But those people whom really enjoy your piece of work will see you, like you for who you really are and say, this is missing in the market. Did any client come to you and say, hey, John, I found you because of the direct short film that you made? No, but <laughs> I do know that in one of the... Okay, so slight backstory. One day, a bunch of teenagers start following me on IG. Okay. Uh, and uh, one of them messages me and I find out at a local JC in Singapore, I am known as the condom guy. Mm. Okay. Mm. Uh, in terms of whether clients actually came to me after that, I don't think anybody came directly because of that. But because some people started following me mm. from those works that I did, yeah. when I actually put out stuff with production value that I think people would pay for, uh-huh, uh-huh. that made its rounds. And I have generated quite a bit of client work mm. off the back of the slightly lesser. There was a things. National Day one that you did, ah, right? Yes. Mm. That one has done me a lot of good. Yeah, anyway, yeah. people can see all these videos on your IG, right? That's IGTV. Right. Yeah, That's please right. go to your IG uh, account, which is... Is it time for Shameless Plug? Okay. <laughs> you can plug many times. I'll ask you to plug again okay. towards the end, but what is it? Uh, Nihao Xiaomen, please follow me at J-O-N-T-A-N dot C-O. That's Jontan dot co. That's not your <laughs> URL, right? That's your Instagram that's handle. Yeah, it's both my URL and my Instagram handle. Right, very clever. Okay, that's one thing I want to say for all those Xiaomans who are listening, right? Like, I'm telling you to double down on what your quirkiness and do whatever that lights you up that you want to do. Not for commercial reasons, but just for the sole purpose of scratching your own itch and because mm. this is who you are. Mm. You don't have to FOMO, okay? Firstly... The people who like that kind of quirkiness will come to you and say, I want the same kind of quirkiness. Yeah. But then there will be those people who see the quirkiness, like the quirkiness, come to you and say, this quirkiness is not appropriate for what I'm going to create, but I like your work. Can you mm. do something else that is more appropriate for my commercial, my business? Mm. And then you say, yes, I'm multifaceted. Mm. I'm not a one-trick pony. Mm-mm-mm. I can do this. I can do that. So John didn't have to worry about portraying a site that will sabotage his business. Yeah, That's what I I'm trying so to say. Then. Yeah. Mm. I don't think it would work otherwise also. I mean like creating work that doesn't scratch your own itch or doesn't fill you up, truly fill you up inside. That work is not going to turn out well anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And this is the easiest way to position yourself. You know, we talk about personal branding, personal positioning. So, yeah, correct. You, it's not about tweaking your logo until you look so nice that you stand out of the crowd. The best way to stand out is to by being to be yourself because mm. there's only one John Tan. Mm. Just be yourself. Yes. Right. It's smart and it's lucrative in a way. I think this is how you cut through all the noise in the market these days. Yeah. So finding your style is actually just finding yourself. Yourself. That's what makes you unique. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. That's what makes John's works I mean, very interesting. Correct, correct. I mm. mean, there's just no other way to be. <laughs> All right. I feel. All right. Thanks for sharing. Hey, thank you. <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable with praise. This is really, huh? Yeah. Let's make him more Let's uncomfortable. Let's praise him oh, until no. he melts into a puddle. <laughs> like, hey, wait, John, no more, ID. <laughs> Your Majesty. Do you have a sotro? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have a sotro. I'm oh, Gillian Anderson. Oh, shit, the crown. <laughs> yes, Your Majesty, I have an announcement to make. <laughs> 
really soft. Really hot. Really good. Do they I look like? Do I have they a should have pen? casted you. Oh my god. Hey, so anyway, just to interrupt the podcast a bit. Yes, huh? yes, yes. We have an announcement to make. Yes. You know, our Lito Academy is almost, 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 almost here. Your it, Majesty, it's almost coming. Yes, in a few months, <laughs> maybe two months, or maybe January or February. January or February, it's coming. We're just putting the final, you know, pieces and the tweaks together. So if you want to find out more, you can go and sign up for the wait list. Yes. Um, we have a dream. Yes. What is our dream? We want to seat 100 founding members. Uh, and then after that, we'll close our doors. Yes. So that we can work on the academy together. We can build a community culture together as well. So the first 100 founding members will be integral to the culture and the shaping of Lito Academy. It's so exciting. Right. So don't be FOMO. Yes. Don't Although be FOMO. we are inducing FOMO in you right now. <laughs> Only 100. So if you want to get first dips, right? And first dips, why? is because when we launch to the 100 founding members, you will have for life yeah. lock in the membership price at the lowest. They confirm FOMO. Right? Yeah. Okay, so go to Lito.academy yes. and sign up for the waitlist. Yes, your majesty. Okay, so next, we're going to switch gear. We're going to talk yeah. about, that was last year, right? So mm -hmm. we're going to talk about um, your plans for this year. Mm. What's exciting? What's coming up for you? Okay, so last year was the first year where I think, uh, this is a backtrack, but this is a Dan quote, which I think Dan forgot that he came up with. <laughs> <clears throat> Happiness is what happens in the absence of needs. And 2020 was the first year where I felt I had my needs met. And for every year before, it was always... First Jan was like this feeling of I have this one big ugly problem or this big gaping hole that needs to be filled. Mm. How can I spend my year solving that? This year, Jan first rolled by and I think this was the first new year I've ever had where I didn't have like a panic attack about mm. oh, Lao Liao, haven't done anything with my life. <laughs> Which is what it usually feels like for me. Mm. <laughs> you used to have panic attacks at the end of the year, is it? And my birthday. Oh, and, and yeah. what, what were the thoughts? What were the usual it, thoughts? Yeah. Um, I think the genesis is always looking back at what I wanted the year before. Because my the goals I set would always be like some, now looking back, we're always like fucking unrealistic. Like, you know, this is not something you can do in a year. Mm. And then realizing, oh shit, I haven't hit this goals. I haven't quite gone where I wanted to go. Mm. And I think because these goals were so large and deep down inside, I always knew like, I can't do this in a year. Mm. I would find many ways to avoid failure because uh, perfectionism is a problem that I deal with. Mm. It was so bad that I refused to accept that I was perfection a perfectionist. <laughs> and my therapist told me, you are perfectionist, but because your perfectionist isn't, your perfectionism isn't perfect, it doesn't encompass everything. Right. You can't even see that it's a problem. Mm. So knowing that everything was going to be okay if I just like stayed the course, which was what uh, I got from the calls with Dan, right? Mm -hmm. like, if you just keep letting people refer things, if you just keep doing what you do, you're going to be okay. Like all these things you're making that you think might be a waste of time, it's okay. Just keep going. If you stay the course, you'll be fine. And also um, because financially last year was the first year I started investing, 
And uh, I think like two days I spent researching where I should put my money. I put it for a robo-investor because like my brain cannot comprehend numbers. Mm -hmm. If I try to trade anything myself, uh, I would end up homeless and not know why. <laughs> so the, the two days I spent researching what robo-investor to go with and like actually getting the account started, uh -huh. I think is going to have the highest like time for result payout for the rest of my life. Mm. Because now I'm aware that if I just make money and like park it somewhere, it's going to make me more money. Mm. So I don't have to worry about, you know, what if I don't want to do film for the rest of my life? Mm. I can just do what I want to do now, be yep. good at it. And as long as I'm not stupid about my money, mm. I'm going to be okay. Mm. So coming into the new year, mm. I had peace with all of the most creating problems mm. I've had for practically every year of my adult life before. That and is amazing. Yeah. Mm. Has your yeah. team grown? Um, so are you still a one-man show? On paper, I am a one-man show. Okay. Uh, but I do work with different people for different projects when the scale demands different things. I have mm. many frequent collaborators. Shout out to Shanice, you the best. <laughs> um, and I think that works very well for me because mm. from the brief period of time where I was managing a team remotely, like I, it felt very heavy to be burdened with the responsibility of managing people and knowing you, know, you have to sustain their livelihoods. Mm. So this model of sort of roping people in and collaborating when you need skilled hands is just so much more freeing and you don't have that constant burden on you. Yeah. yeah. I believe in the plug and play model as well. It's mm. smart. It's just smart. Speaking of remote working, mm. you were a um, digital nomad. That's right. Tell us more about that. Okay. How old are you, John? I am... Is you're 27, right? He's lived like 72, 72 years of life already. He's done so many. <laughs> He's done so many things. Tell us, tell us about your digital domain, yes. Okay, so... Uh, He's lying about his age. Uh, I am actually <laughs> 65 years old. <laughs> so this was a time when uh, I was sure that the best thing I could do for self-development would be to move out. Mm. And it doesn't take very long to realize that moving out in Singapore is really fucking expensive. Mm. And... This was when digital nomads were, they were not like a new idea anymore. You mm. could find information on where people would go, yeah. what you needed to do when you get to a place. So I realized that for me to move to a, another country would cost me significantly less than it would take me to move down the road. Oh. So I, when I was done with NS, I hopped from country to country. What were the countries? So the first place I went to was KL. Mm. And uh, I remember an encounter with someone. I was hanging out with a friend I made there. And the person said, uh, yeah, I got to check if my wheels are going to get stolen if you park here. So I was like, <laughs> I don't want to get stabbed. <laughs> so I think the next, next place was Shanghai. I was attending an event and uh, it was too expensive. And then it was Sydney, which was also too expensive. So finally, I ended up in Bangkok. Yay! Yeah. And uh, I lived there for about a year. Wow. Yeah. So when was this? This was a few years ago. So right before you became, uh, you started doing film. No, this was, I am terrible with dates. I'm going to pull okay, up okay. this little chart I had. <laughs> Maybe when you were 23, 24. This was 2015, 2017, around that time. Yeah, is it? Fresh out of the army. Yeah, 22, 23. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. 22, 23. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. So how was it the one why year in you, Bangkok? Yeah, why do you stop? Okay, so here comes the tale. Why do you come back? So oh. good man, Singapore, come back. 
Maybe he found a girlfriend la. Is oh, that why? Girl, ha. I want to do Photoshop yeah. for a girl again. Started see. with oh, a girl, no. then <laughs> end with a girl. Well, I swear you're the only one. Okay, um, <laughs> the reason I came back was because I lost a few clients. Okay. Mm. And uh, it wasn't sustainable anymore. Okay. Also, I think the one thing I did not expect was the feeling of loneliness and isolation mm. that happened living in a foreign land. And to be fair, that was a problem because I made zero efforts to integrate into mm. society. Like, you know, people like clown expats who come here and like, you know, only learn how to say la and they're like, do I speak Singaporean now? Um, and I was basically that guy, but in Thailand, I can speak like five words of Thai and mm. they're all things to order food in a restaurant. Mm. Come so, say, say those five words. Oh, Come. Uh, I'll, I'll teach you a cool one. Like uh, when you say moo, mm. it's not cow, it's pig because <laughs> I don't know why. Also, <laughs> poo, moo. like poo, that means crab. Mm. Yeah. And, and Turns that, out only know that's all words. you learned. Yeah. All right. Also, na- <laughs> Nampao is water, I think. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh, God, mm. That like one that. year in yeah. Bangkok wasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was very fun because um, I think living in a completely different place yeah. mm. and still being able to go about your day not thinking you're in danger or feeling like, you know, you are in a completely foreign land. Because like, I mean... Yeah. Going to Bangkok really feels like you're taking a flying bus. It's not far. Yeah, it's not far. And there are Singaporeans all the time. Yes. Yes. Yep. So, and like friends would just like fly through, right? Mm. So, it really felt like I was just living a bit further away from home. It did not feel Yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel so scary. You know, when you said that you lost a few clients and it's not sustainable anymore, Mm. is it because you can't even afford to stay overseas in Bangkok? Um, At that point, I was living with someone who I had met there. Mm. Uh, oh. It was a romance that went wrong. Oh, So it was a combination of uh, not one... I think I realized at that point that that relationship was not good for me. Mm. And to be fair, at that point, I am very sure I was presenting a version of myself that was incredibly inauthentic because mm. I was trying to be someone else. Mm. And also, like, uh, yeah, once the money didn't get so easy you lose a lot of the perks that you're used to because my circle of friends are a lot of them were people who were making a lot more money oh, like okay. some of them were the early crypto guys mm. and a lot of the uh i don't know what they do online but uh you think they could buy a private jet the next day if they wanted what? to so it felt i felt i felt the pinch quite quickly once i lost uh, a few clients and at some point i was like you know what i think i've had my fun i'm ready to hit home which was crushing early on, mm. but uh, I am. I think it was that that one failure of not being able to live this life, which I thought I would live for years. Like I'm gonna travel the world. Yeah. I'm gonna be this cool dude. Um, coming back and realizing after a while that I didn't actually miss it that much. Mm. I think that also set the stage for what I would look for in whatever craft I would pick up next. So when you came back, did it uh, coincide with you deciding to do what's next, next, you know? No, well, when I came back, I had no idea what the hell I was going to do. Ah. Uh, but I know that I was born with an incredibly average face, but a slightly above average voice. So I started doing some voiceover work. Mm. And because I had done some hosting work like uh, back in school and a little bit more when I was younger, I realized that um, for per hour, that was the most money I could make. 
Mm. And I still had some clients left over from my content marketing work. Mm. So it wasn't like I was going to be broke, broke. But I was pretty broke. At some point, I was making like $700 a month. Mm. That was, I think, the lowest that I went. So it wasn't that bad, all things considered. Mm. So what, what was the job that, I don't know, made you feel like you can do film? Oh, okay. So this was, I joined an acting school because I... Uh, like a previous like mentor of mine told me like I had like piss poor control of my body <laughs> and it's like you should go like pick up an acting class or something so I was like okay mm. and so I took a method acting class and uh, I really enjoyed it uh-huh. and part of that was like finding work that resonates with you as a person like writing work creating work and also it's this community which is a huge thing of artists and uh, creatives okay and at a so this, this place is called uh, HCAC. It's an acting school here. Shout out to them. Like, uh, I owe you guys a lot. So at a potluck that the school had, a bunch of us got really drunk and came up with this, like, freaking terrible pun, which we thought was hilarious. And we found out there was a film contest where we could turn this pun into some sort of ad, sort of to mock the contest. Oh, just, like, okay. for, for fun of it. So I shot the thing on my phone and we thought, okay, whatever, we're done. Nothing's going to happen. But it turns out all the other entries for this film contest were so, so bad (laughs) that we won. Uh, We did not deserve it, but it happened. And because of that, I started realizing I might actually be good at it. Because I remember watching people react to Uh the piece and they were like, yo, this is great. This is funny. I was like, funny? That's good for my ego. Oh my god! So yeah. before this, you were not interested in film at all. I oh, it I, was I had an insane obsession with Casey Neistat, and I was oh, vlogging. Okay, okay. The vlogs are very bad, and they're hidden. You will never find them internet. Never. <laughs> <laughs> it's not yeah. the same as making films, right? I think the genesis of it was kind of similar because right. you still have to edit the things, oh, okay, and it okay. lets you start thinking a little bit in that right, direction. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, so off the back of that film, that film contest, when you come and call it film contest. Uh, Somebody thought that I was hot shit because like, she won a film contest. And she was like, hey, do you want to film this like theater show I'm doing? And uh, I was very unconfident that I could do a good job. Mm. So I said yes. And uh, I spent most of my savings at that point upgrading to a slightly better camera. And I just went. And that was when uh, I met one of my best friends now, Lady called Chinese, who was playing a dying Norwegian child. So she was on the floor going, ah! Uh, and she was looking for a videographer to create some work for a client that she had at that okay. point, and very urgently. So on the plus side, she didn't really have time to like see if I actually knew my shit, but she said she had a good feeling about me. Mm. And uh, that led to me getting my first retainer client, who uh, I shall not name, but... Mm. And they paid well, right? They, they Right now, I know... They were not paying great. Oh, okay. But for someone who had zero experience at that point, mm. virtually zero experience, uh, I think I'm very grateful they took a chance. Mm. And because of that one client, I could constantly create a body of work and actually make a living off of doing this. Yeah. And then that led to more clients, more clients, more clients, and uh, here we are. Mm. Crazy, eh? Mm. <laughs> So what? I, 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 mm. Yeah, sorry. No, no. Oh, so, so this year we were talking about your goals and exciting plans for this year. So, any ah. win tensions have you set for the year? Okay. Um, Do you listen to our last episode? I did. <laughs> I did. I did. 
God, they're accusing gays. No lah. <laughs> Test me, ma. Can you see this hardcore cell, ma? My intention for this year, two things, ease and mm. less. Because I think oh, getting nice. to the point where you have everything you need means trying different ways to fulfill those needs. Mm. And in the process of doing that, you end up with a lot of things that you don't actually need, but will still exist in your life. They're like artifacts, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think on the end of material possessions, while finding the gear that worked for me, I have spent a lot, a lot, a lot of yuan on Taobao <laughs> and Amazon. So I have way more gear than I need. I want to let that go because now mm. I'm like, I don't even know if I have something. I'm not sure if I own it. I'm not sure I need to buy a new one when oh, I need something. Okay. I don't know where it is. And today, Rebecca walked in with one <laughs> backpack of gear and I was so jealous. Mm. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm different. I mean, photog- photographers are quite different from filmmakers, right? Mm. Like, you guys need so much more gear than us. Mm. We can survive on one camera. Oh, we, we forever <laughs> be jealous of you guys. Huh? Mm. Yeah. Uh, we have far shorter uh, hours as well. You know, John I, John, I think <laughs> that, you know, life happens in seasons, right? Mm. And I think that you're going through, especially this year, if your core desire and intention is to welcome more ease into your life mm-hmm. and to welcome less into your life, then I think you're in a season of shedding and mm. decluttering, unloading, unburdening and feeling mm. light. Mm. You know, I think the feeling of light, and I've been through that very intentionally for the past few years. Mm. And I can tell you that when you shed, in, mm. in the beginning when you start to shed, because you are still someone who, um, you're exiting from a season of acquis- acquiring and, mm-hmm. and endless acquisition, it will feel a little bit like, oh, I'm losing something, I'm losing something. Mm-hmm. But then something strange starts to happen. You will start to enjoy letting go of things. And that's when you realize you're not losing anything, that you're gaining peace and space. You're gaining a sense of lightness. Mm. And I think that is amazing value. And I wish that a lot of that would come to you. And I think you've also come to... You're early bloomer. Like, I think when, when I was 27, I don't know what, I, what the heck I was thinking. Huh? I think a lot of people, even like in their early 30s, they're still mm. thinking about, you know, like what should I do with my life? Yeah. And they're still very lost and very confused. Yeah, yeah. So for you, Thanks. yeah, for you, I think that if you want to welcome more ease you want to feel lighter, you're shedding. I think that the concept of um, enough is plenty is beginning mm-hmm. to resonate. Like mm-hmm. also, you said that, I said that thing and I can't even remember I said it, which is happiness <laughs> is what? The lack of needs. Uh, happiness is the lack of, happiness happens in the absence of needs. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's so true, mm. right? When you're no longer needing something, it means that you have an abundant feeling, enough. There's this enoughness and mm. this feeling that I think I'm very grateful for what I have. I don't need more. I'm fine. Mm. And that's where you realize enough is plenty and you don't need to hustle anymore or or try and be needy or grippy. And that happens, when that happens, as a creator, I think that um, you become very powerful Mm. because when you go out and you pitch a job, Mm. when you try and clinch a new deal, when you try and sell, Mm. you don't bring any of that intangible neediness with you. And, yeah. and people can feel that. It's true. And right? I think also f- it, it's useful for John also because I think it will help you to prevent burnout. Mm. Because you're at a stage where you know things are going really well and then mm. you have more, more and more clients. You're more and more in demand, right? Mm. It, will be, it will get more and more challenging to say no, right? Mm. <laughs> to jobs, to money. Mm. So it's very easy to get burnout at this stage, actually. Mm. 
mm. as you're on, uh, on this upwards trajectory. Mm. Yeah. So maybe having this intention is a very good thing uh, to help you manage this kind of upward trajectory. Yeah, let it be easy. So I think, uh, I think for people mm. who don't know how to use core desires to uh, apply to their life or decision-making process is then John, in John's case, this is just January. So in the next 11 months, right, whenever some new opportunities come your way, mm. you have to think, if I want to welcome all ease and I want to feel light, what's the decision I need to make? Mm-hmm. Very simple. That's it, right? Mm. Okay, so now I want to talk about the workshop that we have yeah. done. Okay, so you yeah, it was in the workshop, and I was like, "Is this John Tan?" Like during the workshop, right, I was right. like, Is this John Tan the John Tan? It is the John Tan. So it He's is very the John Tan. Yeah, and I wanted to ask John specifically because yeah. I think right after the workshop wrapped, I was on a high man. I was yeah. very high for many many days. You know, John quickly sent uh, a message and say, "Dan, that was a very 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 very." Good first webinar, first class, or first workshop. So like, encouraging. Like four very. So uh-huh, I know uh-huh. that, okay, we got to get this four very guy to come and talk <laughs> about your experience. So we ran a mini workshop, which is our first workshop under Lito Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, where was this? Uh, this was late last year, is it? Uh, it was Late last seven year. of mm. December. Is it nine or is it? Yeah, nine it was. December? It was in de- December, definitely. Mm. And um, the workshop is called "How to Feel Better." Yep. And the workshop is something that is almost like a one-on-one mind tool. But I say one-on-one, but it might as well be the encyclopedia. Like if there's mm-hmm. only one thing that I ever teach you or teach my clients, this is the one. Mm-hmm. So it is a one-on-one and it can be the only thing that you learn from me and you'll be set for life. And I know that it's a very big sell. Like on my sales page, I was like, this is the Wuling Niji. And this is the one tool that if you acquire, it will change the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. I know that is a big promise. So I want you to tell us if that is a big promise and what is the biggest takeaway from the uh, workshop. How was it for you? Okay, so uh, <laughs> the workshop taught me one thing. Mm-hmm. How to feel better. <laughs> Stop that! Okay. Uh, so I, I mean, having worked with Dan on one-on-one calls prior to the workshop and having listened to podcasts, like I was pretty sure he was going to deliver on what was on the sales page mm. because that's the damn thing to do. <laughs> and the, it feels like there are different like um, intentions for each of like the offerings with Lighter, right? Like uh, I have this very um, childlike analogy. The podcast mm. is sort of like um, how, like what is a fish? Mm. Why should I eat salmon instead of koi? You know, it's like an introduction to that. And this is the teach a man to fish metaphor. Mm. My thoughts are all over the place. I'm sorry, it's ADHD. And <laughs> the one-on-one coaching is going to Dan and saying like, hey Dan, uh, I want to catch this very specific fish or I'm poisoned by this puffer fish. How do I like cure myself? Mm. This workshop, I think felt more like cure is a whole new tool. Like this is this cool ass net. You can use this to catch whatever kind of fish you want mm. and you can use it for the rest of your life. I don't know how much I can give away from the workshop. <laughs> because we're going to sell the workshop. Yes. So don't give away everything, okay. but yeah, share so, as much as you want. So I'm walking on a thin rope. Censor, <laughs> censor me if you want. So uh, it was a very macro tool that could apply to practically everything in life, mm. which uh, sounds like a hard sell, but if you go take the course, wink, wink, mm. is actually the case. Mm. It's a, and again, without giving anything away, it is a framework that encompasses, that creates a solution for practically 
any problem you might have. Yes. Because all problems that you have have a same common trait. And what yes. is Which that is? trait? Join the course. Hustle. <laughs> Hustle. I think he's trying very, very hard to like, you know, try our, 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 our on eggshells and like, what can I say? What can I say? But okay. I think listeners of the podcast will know because this is something that we always Yeah, talk yeah. It's about. not a secret. It's not, it's a, not secret. a secret. It's really the mindset, right? But I think the way I taught but it. Specifically, mm. how to use the framework. Yes. I learned it myself during the workshop also. Wow. Yes. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, because I'm not a coaching client of Dan's. Mm. So I never had the chance to really, you know, do this with him. Mm. Yeah. So when he shared it, I was also like, oh my God, I've heard about this framework so many times. Mm-hmm. I never knew yes. how to actually use I it. I really break it down in for my you own guys. life. Correct, correct. Yeah. So do you find yourself after the workshop that you now use this Uling Niti? I do. The, I, I, I kind of hate how simple it is because yes! I have paid more money yes. than the workshop to learn some, learn like a similar thing but presented in a much more roundabout fashion that's like inelegant. Mm. And this thing is so damn easy to use. Yes. Oh my God, I'm selling it so hard. But, uh, <laughs> it's you know, like whenever something comes up that mm. I think needs further thought, mm. I pull this out. Mm. I write five letters which uh, you mm. learn Five magical, magical letters. Five magical letters. <laughs> yes. And uh, with those five letters, I tend to be able to figure out why I feel the way I feel mm. and thought on a very mm, high level mm. what I need to do. Yes. It allows you to see why you're stuck and what's causing you all the suffering. I feel like sharing optional. what was my favorite thing that hey, you, you I share, cannot. Share, share. Because it's part of the Uling Niji. Never mind, you share. You think you tell people the Uling Niji, they don't want more information, <laughs> man. Don't be so scared. Tell, tell. How should I put it? It's about realizing that you thought that the problem you have is one thought. Yes. When actually it's a few different thoughts and then you're confusing everything. The mixed models, is it? Correct. Yeah. I, you know, when I replayed, that was a revelation when I was recutting me. the videos, right, and I was putting it into the Evergreen uh, offering, the, the, the course, I could see you like light up. Oh, really? Yeah. Because yes. I was on screen, right? Yeah, like I could see and, and, and feel that you lit up when you realized that, oh my God, this is how we get so confused. Yeah. Because you actually see the models being mixed in real time. Yeah. And I peel it apart, remember? I peel it apart. I did the matrix thing. Like so much clarity in yes. that moment. And how's it like in those normal situations, you would just be like this confused blob of a human. Yeah. It's like, I'm just damn confused, I cannot. But that framework helps you to split out everything exactly into the three different thoughts that it is and you realize oh actually it's just three different thoughts correct so then you solve it one by one yes and every thought has its own model and we will teach you how so to are we talking about <laughs> yeah so 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 anyway guys um, I know some of you might be listeners who are just discovering a podcast at this point in time and the workshop mm. is really over and we are no longer running the workshop ever again we are only going to run it once live that's it but what we have done is we know a lot of people have missed out on the workshop so we've decided to re purpose the recording of the entire webinar so you will get the entire experience but on demand so you can just go and buy the mini workshop and enjoy the content at your own leisure. Mm. Yeah. So please go to howtofeelbetter.co and they have all the information there. And then you can just purchase the entire workshop. Yeah. Okay. So when our academy comes up, actually this kind of gives a taster, right? Of mm. what we'll be offering in the academy. Because mm. we'll be doing something similar also. Yes. We'll be teaching different mind tools. Correct. Within and, the academy. Yeah, yeah. And this year, one of the big revelations that I have this year as a coach is that I've been teaching my clients a lot of different mind tools. And sometimes the way I teach is very structured. 
Mm. That means I know that this is the 101, then it's the 201, then it's the 301, and then it's the 401. Okay? But sometimes my clients come to me and I can't teach them the 101 because what they need at that point is a 301. So I need to dispense that prescription, right? But then I realized that all roads will lead to Rome. Oh. Yeah. And I realized that my revelation is that no matter what I teach my clients, as long as they continue to show up and I teach the necessary tool that they need, it's just another tool on the tool belt. And if you continue to add one more tool, one more tool, one more tool, I realized that some of my clients who have been with me for two years, they're amazing. Like, they, I say already, I, I want to cry because sometimes they come to me and I forget how far they have come and mm. they've forgotten how far they have come and they show me the 10 tools that they have on their wow. belt. And I forgot that I've taught them the 401 and the 301 and the 201 and 101. And they can tell me what they can choose to do. Like sometimes they unpack, like I have this challenge in my life right now. Yeah. And then I just want you to tell, I just want to tell you that last week this happened and I managed to uh, overcome it by doing this thing that you taught me and this wow. tool, this framework. And I go like, oh my God, it all <laughs> stacks up. It all stacks up. All the mind tools that I teach you, whether it's a 101 or a 301 or a 401, eventually you will gain so much mastery that whatever happens, you know exactly, is this going to be an occasion where I use a spanner? Is this an occasion where I use a big hammer? Or is this an occasion where I use a screwdriver? Mm. What is the tool I need to use to solve the predicament that I'm in? And you get so masterful. And so you're I, saying they come to you without needing your advice. It's just there to tell you that hey, then I Yeah, know so what usually to do. so the thing is these are the clients that they um, rain or shine, they say that I want a coaching call every month. Mm. It's like eating to them, right? So sometimes they have a specific problem that they bring in. Sometimes there is no problem at all. Or sometimes they come in and they tell me there was a problem then and I did this. Oh. I did exactly what you taught me and it worked. It finally clicked then. And I go like, yes! And there will come a point in time where I say, guys, you don't have to do any co coaching call with me already. It's just like when Corinne told me then, I think you've graduated. Yeah. Our work in the room is done. You yeah. can go. Uh. But of course, in the future, you've got a tuazong thing. You can come to me again. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is just me unpacking my revelation because I've done enough work for about two to three years now to realize that the work that you do is accumulative. Mm. So just like John, going back to John, I think that he is someone, right? whether he's, a, your earlier question is whether he is a, an artist or an entrepreneur, I think for him, he is someone who is very invested in growth. That's it. Mm. Sometimes he's the artist, sometimes he's the entrepreneur. But if you listen and you scrub back to all the different stories that he has shared with us, mm. is that he, is very, he has a growth mindset. He's very invested in himself. He's invested in exploration. He's invested in possibilities. Correct. And I that's know, what right? makes him very, very powerful. That's why when I feel like when I look at him, then I try to like, you know, look 10 years ahead. 20 years ahead. I know you'll be fine. Yes. We don't need to worry about you. Don't have to worry about him. <laughs> He's self-sufficient. You, yeah, you will continue to grow and you'll continue to, yeah. to become better. Mm. Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. You know the other thing that John told me just now about how after he left Bangkok and then he came back and then he decided to go into voice acting and then he only made $700. Yeah. I think that that is testament to, testimonial for how um, he's able to make money. You know, I always tell my clients when they come to me, they, they say, I don't know how to make money. I say, but you know, you have everything you need to make the money. You know what is it? Then I said, they said, what? An office? Uh, 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 I don't know. I need to get a cert or anything. I said, no! Your brain! 
<laughs> the only thing you ever need to make money is your brain. Mm. If you know how to use your brain, you can create anything with it, mm. right? It's just the willingness to do it or not, right? And for John, he's not fixated on just one way of making money. Yeah. And he is okay with trying Ch- new things. Changing. And changing and yeah. reinventing himself and just try law, you know? So because he's not scared of that, he can make $700 from voice acting mm. when he came back. $700 is not little. $700 is $700 more in your pocket. Yeah. And you made it so because true. you used your brain. Mm. Right? True, true. It could have been zero dollars. It could have been zero and he sat there and he just go paralyzed. He said, I'm losing all my clients. Now I'm back here. I'm back to square one. I've lost everything. I don't know how to make money anymore. Mm. He didn't. He just said, what's next? Yeah. Enroll myself in some class. Okay, I'll do law. Mm. I'll need to learn method acting. Okay, go law. Random much. Yeah, but- it's just a feather <laughs> in a cap. But you see, all these random moments yeah. makes him a very good filmmaker. Yes. Because he knows how to tell a story. Uh, he, he, this needs to stop. He's blushing. Yes. He's like, stop it. <laughs> He's like, stop it. Yeah. Hey, so anyway, oh, wow. One hour, 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. Anything else? Huh? Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, Wait, let me check my notes. Um, we talked about a lot of things. John, mm-hmm. maybe you share with People who are following your footsteps, uh, younger people, the younger yes. generation, right? People mm-hmm. who are listening to the podcast right now and thinking of what's possible for mm-hmm. them and they're a bit scared. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone like that? Or what would you say to yourself um, 10 years ago? The 10 years ago, John, what would you say to yourself? I think, first of all, if you are feeling stuck in a situation that sounds like where I was, DM me. Uh, you know where to find me. Yes. Um, I would say you don't have to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. That's a tall order. Like, mm. I don't mm. know what I'm going to do next week. Actually, mm. I have a shoot. But <laughs> uh, try different things. Like, make yes. sure you fulfill what you need to fulfill. If there are responsibilities you have, of course, don't give those up. And of course, depending on how many responsibilities you have, your ability to try new things, is, it varies. But uh, I think easy life hack, like try to make $1,000 doing anything, mm. not like a month, like just any span of time. And mm. I think you will figure out how to move beyond that. Mm. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, your time learning what you've learned is never wasted. Mm. It will show up again and be relevant to your life in ways you wouldn't be able to know. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only do it looking back. Yeah, that's what something Steve Becky Shops, said. Yeah. Right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. Very nice. Yeah. Okay, great. So, any other questions? What is the biggest job that you have had so far? Mm. Mm. What is the highest paying job that you have had so far? Because freelancers, freelance creatives, or like people who are just starting out, mm. they always think that maybe I can't make much money from, from mm. doing this kind of work. Or like, you know, it's probably going to take me a while before mm. I can feed myself. So, mm. I do find it helpful when we talk about numbers, like mm-hmm. exact numbers. Mm. Okay, so the biggest jobs I've done are jobs where you wouldn't see any trace of me as a creator. Mm. Okay. These are the corporate gigs where, for example, one of the higher paid recent shoots I did was 11 grand for a single day's shoot. Wow, okay. And uh, with that money, instead of doing a lot of things myself, mm. I just hired people who were better than me because mm. I think that's a responsible thing to do. And uh, in terms of the biggest jobs, 
I think that the work that I agree to do and want to take on are not so much correlated to cost. And this, again, is something I can only do because I feel like my needs are met. Mm. The biggest jobs are things where you end up making like a pitiable amount of money per mm. hour. But the thing that comes out of the other end are, is something you couldn't create without that opportunity. Yeah. Like recently I did a music video with uh, Tabitha Nauser, who is the nicest person ever and makes great brownies. And mm. that <laughs> wasn't what you would call a profitable job. I'm mm. not going to reveal numbers. Yeah, sure. But the amount of passion that she brought to the project, her contacts that she brought on, and the exposure that came from that project because of who she is, like, I would say that is probably the biggest project I've done in terms of what it feels like to me mm. and the size I would display it in like a pie chart portfolio. Was it a music video? Was it, it was. Music it was. video. Ah, yeah. Okay. I, I think I killed it with that one, so go watch it. Mm. Oh, so on it's IGTV. out already. Yeah. Yeah. It's out. It's out. Uh, right. Okay. Mm. Mm. The thing is, as creators, we don't just get paid in money. Dollars and cents, right? You For get payment sure. in all kinds, right? So whether it's reach, exposure, visibility, or just the feeling of pure joy yeah. when you're working mm-hmm. on it, mm-hmm. the context, the networking. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also, we think long-term, like this project could lead on to other things mm, exactly. that will then pay you mm-hmm. the big dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I have a system for this, actually. Like, for what kind of jobs should take on? It's, uh, there are basically three metrics. Joy, money, and opportunities. Mm. So they're all binary. It's a one or a zero. So if it's a one one one, I'll have fun doing it. There's joy. I'll make money doing it, and it's gonna open more doors. Mm. Fuck yes, definitely <laughs> do it. Mm. If it's a two thing, let's say it's gonna make me happy and it's gonna open doors. It's generally also a yes. The ones that I say no to are if it's a zero zero zero, like a no no no, like hell no. But generally, the things that would only make money are the jobs where you just feel miserable during, after, <laughs> and when you're done with it. It does nothing for your portfolio. <laughs> There's usually no trace of you at all. Yeah, Just getting okay. paid to do your thing and get out. Mm. I love the metric. <laughs> and it's so funny thinking about what kind of jobs that those zero 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 ones are. Yeah, but you know, I always <laughs> I, tell my clients, right? I always tell I, my clients yeah. that even if you do a job that you didn't really enjoy, uh-huh. but you know why you did it, because you need to pay the bills, Correct. then be do very it. grateful for mm. that job because it, it helped you pay the bill. Mm-hmm. So don't be resentful I towards that. I think beggars that. can't be choosers. You can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Then you, you, you still, if, if you actually reframe your relationship with that um, terrible job, right? Yeah, that correct. makes you feel terrible with terrible clients and oh, and you see that the reason why you suffered mm. was because you needed to pay the bills and that's what the job was. And then you give a lot of respect and a lot of gratitude, you know? I think every creative freelancer has... Um, one of these jobs, you yes. know, mm-hmm. uh, every once in a while. Yes, yes. Yeah, and it's not something that we should feel bad about taking on. Yes. So my point and is, be grateful that you actually have a job to hate that will pay the bills. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You correct. are very blessed already. Correct, correct, correct. <laughs> correct. And another thing I want to share about that, like, uh, when I was doing, like, hosting work, uh-huh. I took, like, hosting workshop, and uh, I learned that I'm not a great host. But one thing that the lady who ran this workshop, someone named Wendy, mm. she's a legend in the event space. One thing she said, like stuck with me is like, if you are doing a job, you're getting paid to do something, mm. do not ever resent it because you are basically getting paid to practice. Yes. And I think that reframed so many of the 
early jobs for me. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's just no space for like, oh, I hate you. Why, why are you making me do this? Because mm. you know you're getting better. Mm. Getting, paid getting, paid to to yeah. mm. wow. getting paid to practice. Getting paid to practice. To sharpen your skills or to learn something. Like even if after you did this and you realize I'm not going to do this ever again, mm-hmm. it's a lesson that you learned and you got paid. Mm. It's, mm. Like, it's, it's like this Buddhist idea of like, there is nothing ever that is a mistake. Mm. There's nothing ever that is bad. Yes. What if everything is perfect? Yeah. The way it is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing all your amazing and so very welcome. inspiring stories. With okay. Us. So you can you... do another plug, right? How can Ooh. people find you? Yes. Okay. So if you're looking for me, hit me up on Instagram at johntan.co. That's J-O-N-T-A-N dot C-O. Okay. And what kinds of people are you looking for to create content for? Specifically, what kind of mm. work lights you up and is perfect for you? Okay. So this is a call and yeah. so that we can manifest the perfect clients for you through our podcast. Okay. Let's, let's gather our <laughs> powers mojo. of attraction and mojo. <laughs> yeah. So what kinds of work are you specifically looking for that you mm. enjoy the most and that if you can get paid for, that would be like holy grail? I am very passionate about working with passionate people. I think my skill set is one that can help other passions to materialize or yes. succeed. Mm. And the most fun I have on projects with other artists, with people who run their own businesses, with people who are starting something on their own mm. and are not quite sure where to go. In mm. fact, a lot of my clients are people who have hit a point where they know they have to start mm. doing something. And uh, in their case, maybe the word of mouth blessing from Dan didn't occur and they need to do some sort of active marketing those are the clients I'm best suited to serve Mm. you see John has a very big heart that's why he's the archetype for the Lito Academy do you write your own scripts Uh, you do right I do for all the the quirky short films that we saw so you do provide that kind of service yes Coming that's why, up with the ideas. That's why I say he's a thinking creator. He doesn't just follow instructions. So correct, you can give correct. him a You're brief. not a button pusher. Exactly. And you can leave the storytelling to him because he's quirky. He mm. knows how to come up with something that's entertaining, humorous, with some quirkiness. And these days, you need that kind of um, characteristics for, for your content to engage people. Correct, correct. Mm, he knows how to tell a story and engage. Mm. Okay, anyway, uh, don't believe us. Go and check out Go John's check out. Instagram. Yes. His portfolio. Have yes. a look for yourself. Exactly. Okay, and I think one good thing that I know, right, is mm. that he made us look good in the video that he did for us. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Which we got to say. not hard. These are good looking people. No. No, okay, you know Becky and I, right? We might sound like very, very like, oh, we are so confident or whatever, right? But we are very camera shy. We're very awkward in front of the camera. Yeah, we're very awkward. And then, very funny, I had a sneaky agenda because when we did our last photo shoot, yeah. I, I was already beginning to um, explore working with John for our Lito stuff, right? Because I just wanted to work with him, mm. right? And then um, I said, hey, let, we want to do video, but huh? Becky huh, is very camera shy. If you think that I'm camera shy and I'm awkward, Becky is even more. And in <laughs> fact, I sent you the pitch deck that you were very impressed That's with. That's why it's not correct. But right? you had reservations about some things. You, you will circle certain things and tell me, but this huh, uh, yeah, a bit like cannot do it, like, can I like, cannot have a camera shoved in my face or whatever. Yeah. So then I told John, I said, I want you to meet him, you see, because, you know, I think he's such a sweet boy. And then I just said, you know what, just come to our photo shoot. And then I said, you just bring your camera. Very jiao ha, right, this yeah. person. And then I said, you see, you see how the zhuang kuang that day And I said, you just shoot. And then we see how. If cannot, if she really doesn't want, cannot. And then she, there's no uh, rapport and she feels like that's, it's too intrusive, then we don't. 
I don't mm. want her to feel uncomfortable. But I say, if she's comfortable, maybe she can be coaxed into it. Okay, and then I think like somehow, some child like yeah, that. then <laughs> but, you have to break break the shoe. My you also break the shoe, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you so anyway, he came, and then I think we hit it all. Yeah, and then we did our shoe, and then he did his thing. He was like invisible ninja like that, right? I think we were not even aware. Correct, right? he was really shooting. Yeah, and then I gave him a lot of pressure because I said, "Hey, you better cut something properly, ah, uh, because uh, Becky is gonna uh, fly or sink." Because if Becky see and she doesn't like it, this means that's it. She's not going to do it ever again. No? Uh, yeah. So he cut something and he made us look so good. Yeah. Yeah. And then, he, <laughs> and then she got oh. convinced. She was like, hey, she can, huh? No, because hey. in my mind, you know, I don't know, I imagined something else, right? Yeah. But when I saw it, I was like, hey, can this guy was he 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 was really he good us at capturing good. us? Yeah, so there will be more. We definitely get John to do more content. Can try lah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in a stroke of revenge for today's photo shoot for the thumbnail you might be seeing on this podcast, <laughs> I was the one awkward in front of the camera. Yes, we switched roles. Don't worry, you were fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> Becky's great at taking photos. Yes, <laughs> you're both great. So great. Oh. Okay. Anyway, John, you have a very interesting song choice. Yes, please yes. share. Uh, the song I want to share today is by Daniel... Shit, is his name Daniel? Daniel Johnson. Yeah, Daniel Johnson. I'm terrible with names, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, by Daniel Johnson. I first heard this song at the end of a video by Casey Neistat where he was drawing his life. And this was a period of my life where I was feeling very lost and down. Mm. Like I knew I wanted to do something creative, but nothing was really working out. Mm. And his video was about that. Like it's all this twists twists and turns and you're gonna suffer you're gonna think this is not meant for you but maybe at the end you will find something and then at the end of this video this song starts playing mm. and i'm like holy shit oh yeah and i start crying so mm. that song is deeply associated with hope for me because mm. that was what i felt the first time i heard it and now the relationship i have with this track is every time i hear it i feel and remember who I was when I first heard the song for the first few times. And it makes me acknowledge how far I've come. Yes. It makes me feel proud of who I was. Mm. And I think who I was would be proud of who I am. Aww. And I'd like to share the song with you. It's called... Follow Your Dream? Follow, follow That Dream. Follow That Dream. Yeah, for all you dreamers out there, keep the dream alive. Thank you, John, for being with us today. <laughs> you are so welcome. Yeah. Thank you, John. Bye! Bye. Bye. It's an electrifying time for believers. Oh, it's a world of lonely faces. Oh, it's a world of many places. Oh, oh, oh. follow that dream. Oh, it's a world of funny faces.
Hi, this is John, here to deliver the outro. Radio voice on. If you like to experience business savvy, mental hygiene, if you would like to experience the necessary curriculum for the modern day human being, if you would like to thrive in your creative career, if you would like the wisdom of Dan, download it into your brain. If you would like the passion of Rebecca and all her toes, download it into your soul, then join. Lito Academy. Visit lito.academy. I do my own sound effects. Launching in February. Launching in f- f- Launching in February. Please sign up. Thank you. Okay.